0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my finest friends. Uh, today we are continuing with episode seven of the second season of the Tom Petty Project podcast, which by my count makes this episode 23 overall, if you include the trailer. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Kevin Brown, and for those of you who may be listening for the first time, this is the podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, including some conversations with musicians and fans along the way. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas in whatever way you celebrate the holiday. Or if you don't celebrate at all, I hope that you're healthy, happy, and living life to the fullest. If you can't say any of those things, don't forget that it's okay to be down or to be going through a rough patch. You know, life can be tough, and even Tom went through some dark periods, but always managed to bounce back. And if you experience any difficulties in your life, especially through this Christmas period, which, you know, there are definitely sort of spikes in depression at this time for, uh, for numerous reasons, I really urge you to find help uh, and talk to someone. Never think that you're on your own. Um, I believe that music is the greatest mood enhancer in the world. It's better than any drug. It's a way of escaping our situation and connecting to something greater than ourselves. Um, So if you're feeling down, throw on some music, talk to someone. um, You know, just look after yourselves, I guess, really, is what I'm saying. Uh, Anyway, sorry, that got a little heavy, but I wanted to make sure that you're all doing okay out there. Today we're talking about the iconic lead track from side two of the second album, I Need to Know. Like "Breakdown" and "American Girl" from the debut album, this is a song that is seared into the public's consciousness as a radio staple for decades. If for some reason you've never heard the song before, let me be the first to welcome you to our planet and wish you well during your stay. Like no, it, um, go check out the link in the episode notes if you do want to listen to the song before we dig into it. Uh, then come back and I'll be waiting right here for you. And we're back. Let's dig into it. <laughs> As I was doing the listen-through for this episode, one of the first things that struck me was that this song has a a similar groove to it as Dog on the Run, uh, which was the live track from the Live Leg EP. And I wonder if that's another reason why that song was dropped from the live set and not recorded in the studio. I need to know it's a quicker tempo, but it shares what I'd call a feel or a mood. Uh, The cadence of the lyric is similar initially, and the chord progression is fairly similar. And it feels like a case of, you know, maybe partial cannibalization that songwriters often employ. You know, take one idea um, and put it to better use in another, in another song. And I know that Tom told Paul Zolo that this song was influenced, actually, by Wilson Pickett's seminal 1966 classic, Land of the Thousand Dances. Um, When you listen to that song, you definitely hear the influence, so I'd be willing to bet that both songs took some inspiration, certainly rhythmic inspiration, from the same source. I Need to Know comes out all guns blazing. The familiar balance of Mike and Tom's guitars in the left and right channels with Ron and Stan's rhythm parts thundering down the centre is augmented in this one by Benmont's piano and organ in the background. And right from the get-go, all those parts are there, Um, so this sets up the intent of the song immediately. There's no sense of subtlety here. It's a rock and roll song, and you know that it's going to bring the heat from the very first bar. Lyrically, I Need to Know is another song I find really interesting. Two very short verses, accompanied by two much longer choruses. A rapid-fire guitar solo, and a final chorus. The lyrics are tonally very similar to most of the songs on side one of the album, in so much as they describe a protagonist who is unsure of the status of his relationship. That opening line, while the talk on the street says you might go solo, What a great band-oriented metaphor for a potential breakup. Good friend of mine saw you leaving by the back door. Um, That line adds an element of intrigue, suggesting that the love interest isn't being upfront about their intention to leave, so I need to know. Tom's vocal delivery sits between that all-out frustrated howl and his sort of mid-range, somewhat sort of restrained, uh, delivery. It's not an angry performance and it's not really a wounded performance. It finds that indignant tone perfectly. It's almost matter of fact. Just tell me what you want. I just need to know. And again, his, his way of finding exactly how to deliver the vocal in a song blows me away pretty much every time I listen to it. Any, any of the songs that, the, that he recorded. We also get that multi-part rock and roll scream at a minute 33. And that's where all the pent-up frustration actually comes out and leads into a a pretty killer Mike Campbell solo in in a major key. It's another Chuck Berry-esque solo, as with Too Much Ain't Enough. And again, ironically, it's exactly enough. And it's one of the solos that Mike played pretty much exactly the same way live. And it's because that solo is an integral, melodic part of the song, not some sort of free-form, fret-shredding, virtuosic display. Just Mike Campbell again being one of the best damn rock and roll guitarists in history. I remember reading that when the Beatles recorded Helter Skelter, Paul McCartney had been listening to The Who and was blown away by how loud Keith Moon's drum sound was. He kept telling Ringo to hit the drums harder. And after many, many takes, we get the immortal line as the song finishes. I got blisters on my fingers! And this song has a a similar sort of rhythmic fury. And Stanley's really wailing on those tubs. You know, drums sound, they sound different when they're being hit hard. If you listen to The Who or Led Zepp, you can hear that sort of the power and the bottom end coming through the skins, and you get that same intensity on this song, and it's not accidental. As far as pure rock fury goes, you have to have that thundering rhythm section or the song would just fall flat, and the indignant nature of the song, I think, would just it would sort of be lost. But, as with everything Stan Lynch played, it's not one-dimensional at all. Alongside the granite splitting kick and snare hits, you get a really controlled hi hat where he's bringing it from open, sloppy to tight and light, and and every place in between, absolutely just just superbly. Uh, and I'm playing at two different volumes like that, when you're playing, you know, you snare really hard, you kick really hard, but your hi hats you're, you're being quite delicate on at times. It's really difficult to do. Um, If, if anyone who's out there is a drummer, you know that that's you know it's something you really have to practice. Um, and Stan obviously always pulls that off incredibly well, and I think he's often underrated as a precision drummer, maybe because of his explosive personality, um, but he has a, a really deft touch around the cymbals, which for me is always the hallmark of a truly excellent drummer. Ron is locked completely in sync with Stan on this one again. That boom-boom-cha, boom-boom-cha kick, snare pattern is matched perfectly by Ron's bass line, and it's probably Ron's best performance on the first two albums too, and if you listen to what he's playing on the... I Don't Know How Long I Can Hold On, that section in the, in, uh, in the chorus, he's playing a super cool double time, root, fifth, alternating pattern that really gives the song that push through the middle section of the chorus uh, a little bit more character. And in the verses, all he's doing is sitting on the root notes of the chord progression and mirroring the kick pattern, which gives more space to the vocals and lets them move around the groove without sort of overcomplicating things or, or muddying things. Benmont I, I always find on the especially on the first couple of albums, was always mixed quite low uh, and i 'm not sure if it 's Den, Denny Cordell just wasn 't a fan of sort of piano and organ, but other than a couple of notable exceptions you don 't often hear you know benmont 's parts predominantly for the most part in this song, Benmont is again just augmenting that groove and, and putting a little bit of roll into the rock, but in the chorus, we get that glorious call and response between the lyrics and the piano. I don't know how long, I can hold on. Benmont's really just mirroring um, that melody line that, that Tom's singing, and that's really just an inspired little touch. I already mentioned the guitar solo, and what I love about it is that it really broadsides you. The guitars up to that point are very rhythmic and very restrained. A simple chord pattern with Mike and Tom operating in a similar, you know, the distinct spaces, but they're very similar in the left and right channels, and neither is doing a whole heck of a lot. But then when the solo hits that key change, everything just explodes, and it becomes a guitar song before relinquishing control back to the vocals and the lyrics again as we come back out into that last chorus. And the piano through the solo is also pretty full-on rock and roll with some great slaw down the down the, the keyboard. Once we get out to the frenzy of the solo, we go back into the chorus again and we're getting those background I need to know vocals again, which drive the points of that title lyric home really hard. The outro features a killer, killer drum part too that's easy to miss from Stan. Um, I know I could talk about the drums lots, but hey, what are you going to do? I'm a drummer. That last four bars, he's not playing a sort of a a kick, snare, tom, double time and a da-da-da-da-da. He's not playing all three at the same time. He's going dum-dum-cha-cha, dum-dum-cha-cha on the kick, snare. Um, And as a drummer, that's not the way I'd necessarily think of playing that, but you can be damn sure I'm going to be stealing that for one of my own tunes in the future. (laughs) Okay, it's time once again, my friends, for some Petty Trivia, where I get to ask you questions that range from lyrical to musical to the downright incidental. The question from last week's episode was this. Tom Petty's 1992 Christmas song, Christmas All Over Again, uh, was recorded for the charity album A Very Special Christmas 2, but can you tell me which charity the album was raising money for? The answer is the Special Olympics. Tom was only one of two artists on the record who recorded an original song rather than covering a standard or, you know, another artist's track. It was also the lead track on the album and Tom very generously donated the rights to the song to the charity so they were able to take all the profits from its use. And it's an understated gesture that Tom didn't need to make but did it quietly and humbly. And it's just all the more reason to love the man. For this week's question, I'm giving you a petty-head easy pitch. What three albums were recorded and released on the MCA Backstreet label. Okay, back to the song. Uh, I Need to Know is obviously one of the Heartbreakers' most instantly recognisable songs. It rips through your eardrums in under two and a half minutes and has a direct intensity and drive that makes it perfect fodder for rock radio. Another timeless song that has endured because of how easy it is to listen to. It's a perfect encapsulation of Tom's ability to get in, rock your socks off and get out again, leaving you breathless and sated. The song was a live staple until the early 90s, uh, then brought back for both the last DJ and Highway Companion tours in 2002-2006. Uh, the song was also covered extensively by the only girl in the band, Stevie Nicks, who joined the Heartbreakers on stage for the Live from Gatorville concert to rip through another just a fantastic live version of the song. I'll add a link to that version as well as one of Stevie's solo covers to the episode notes so that you can check those out. Um, despite going on to become one of the band's best loved songs, because it was released, I think, pre, you know, Damn the Torpedoes, it still only reached number 41 in the US charts and didn't make the waves it likely would have or could have if it had been released once the band had really exploded into the public's consciousness. Okay, folks, that's all for this week. Um, I'm going to give I Need to Know a 9 out of 10. It's not the most complex, the most challenging, the most emotional or the most lyrically or musically dense or impactful song Tom ever wrote, but it does retain that x-factor and it's bolstered by a superb simple solo section and has such a fantastic chorus. It's also one of the first songs that any Tom Petty tribute band is going to learn and always play. So, je ne regrette rien. It's a song that is on pretty much every Tom Petty fan's playlist and, again, is still aired regularly on rock radio the world over for a very good reason. It's balls-out, pure, fun rock and roll. I'll also leave a, a link, uh, to that Wilson Pickett song that Tom says the, the at least the rhythm, sort of the rhythm of this song w- was based on. I'll put that in the episode notes for you too. And it's, it really is a great song. And, you know, it features the sort of the first instance of na, 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 That's where that comes from, is that, is that song. Um, so it's always interesting to sort of learn those things about music history, about where certain things, you know, the, the germs of, the, of these ideas come from. Um, so give that song a listen. It's a, it's a, it's a good fun rock and roll song as well. Um, um, don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at the Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. And of course, you can find me on YouTube as always. So go follow, like, subscribe, share stuff. Please tell other people about the podcast. It would be great to get the word out there. Um, and I appreciate everyone who's been doing that. Um, especially on Twitter, we're getting lots of, um, lots of shares and lots of people talking about the, the stuff that we're, um, that we're putting out there. So I really appreciate uh, everyone who's engaging with, uh, with our social media. So. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about the next track from You're Going to Get It, the outstanding Listen to Her Heart. Bye-bye.